0: Man, my message is going to be epic with that music behind there. I was like, man, I feel like I just need to stand up here and say, you can't take our freedom, right? Charge. No, instead we're going to read our Bibles. Is that cool? Can we do that? I think that's epic. It's pretty fun. It'll lead to some epic stories here in a second. So uh, Luke 1, 57 through 66 says this. It's a it's, it's accounting for the birth of John the Baptist and all that happened right around it. Verse 57, and it'll be on the screen here. It's on your handout. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Catch some of you up who haven't been here maybe to hear so far. Um, Elizabeth... And her husband, Zechariah, are really old. And they are barren. They have not been able to have kids for years and years and years. He's a priest in a small-town church in the hill country. And uh, is, is, was given a promise by an angel, which we'll read here in a few minutes, about the fact that they were going to have a son and they needed to name that son John. He doubted, wasn't able to speak. And so now you're kind of up to pace with what's happening. She all of a sudden is having this miracle baby that God said they were going to have in their old age, and so everybody is sharing their joy. Verse 59, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no. He's to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened And his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. And the neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people there talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Can we pray for a second before we dive into this? God, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to come together today here in this high school. I'll pray your blessings on the students and, and just their impact on a, a generation and, and what you're doing here in the summer school district even. Just pray your blessings on them and the opportunity we have to gather here. And I just pray, God, as we start to open up this portion of the book of Luke that you would challenge each one of us. You brought each one of us here for a different reason, to hear something that would apply to our lives right now. And so I pray that that would be illuminated from what we're talking about, that we would be encouraged, that we would be built up so that when we we go out into the ministry that you have for us in this community, we'll be strengthened and inspired to to be bold, to have why not moments where we have some insane courage and, and do what you lead us to do. May you raise us up with courage today, casting out fear for us to be able to walk in our faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, the first fill-in there, and, and, and you may be able to, to guess this, but there's a handout. In, in your handout, there's a little fill-in-the-blanks, and some if you want to take notes, you can. But uh, the first point there is sharing is caring. And I find it interesting, and I titled the message Share Joy today, because uh, when you read this first two verses about the people in the town, the neighbors and the relatives heard... Right? It says, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her favor. They were talking about what the Lord was doing in their life. They were sharing what was the process they were in in life. They had yet to have the child. They had yet to um, you know, have the, the child and name the child John. They had yet to go through the whole process of this journey described by the angel. But yet, people still heard while they were in process, while Elizabeth was still in process, and Zechariah could still not talk. They heard what God was doing in them. Even though, if you'll remember from earlier text in Luke, they stayed hidden. Like, they didn't share in this. Besides Mary coming into their home, it says for the first six months, they, they didn't go out. So it's very interesting to me that they yet still shared. And I think one of our challenges in the world we're in, we're in a world that's continually encouraging us to be quiet about what God is doing in our life. We live in a world where it's like sometimes can be a faux pas to share what God is doing in our life. We feel nervous or like we're breaking a rule, like, oh, this is a God free zone, we can't share here. But what would happen if our life is a visible demonstration that demands an explanation of the gospel? What if we share not just in in word, but in life? And we walk out the things God challenges us to do with great boldness without fear. By hearing, it says here, they shared in the mercy given by God. Like the people who heard literally were sharing in Elizabeth's experience. That's crazy. By hearing, they literally were able to share the joy. And one of the biggest lies the devil would tell us is that our story is not worth sharing. Like, well, I don't have one of those stories. You know, a few weeks ago we had Ron share, and it's like, walks in on his mom trying to commit suicide, and it's like, I don't have that story. I don't have a story to share. I haven't written a book about my life. I think all of us could. And it would be interesting, and it would be beautiful, and it would show God's grace. There's no story that should go untold. But yet we do it. We listen to that lie, and we think, man, my story is just boring. Why would anybody be interested in my story? No, we all have an incredibly interesting story, not only to God, but to each other. We need to learn how to just share what God is doing. In a world that's really good at sharing everything, oversharing sharing sometimes, uh, man, we need to be good at sharing what God is doing in a very natural way. The enemy can keep you and me silent about what God is up to in our lives, either verbally or, or, or visibly, uh, by just putting doubt in our mind that we're of any interest to the people around us. And I'm always completely shocked at the people who take interest in in something that I do share about my faith or my life and just going, man, I wouldn't expect that person to have commented or I wouldn't expect that person to have liked or I wouldn't expect that person to have favorited or starred or whatever else you can do on social networking thumbs downing. Oh, that was sad. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, I'm sure it would happen. We did have some haters this week with a tweet. But anyway, it's just like, you know, it'll happen. The enemy does not want God to uh, be able to share your story. Your story, he wants to keep your story in the shadows, in the darkness, does not want light to come on your story. Because if all of a sudden you start to share, you might realize the encouragement it brings those around you. You might realize that somebody else has a similar story, and they all of a sudden connect with you and think, then I can have a growing relationship with Jesus as well. And people start leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, and all is not good for the enemy. God loves it when we share, and people love to see a great story of grace and provision of God, and that's Elizabeth's story, obviously, very visible, right? That's pretty easy to share. Maybe what God's doing in our life is a little tougher to share, but we need to figure out how to do it in a very natural way. Elizabeth was disgraced, if you go all the way back to Luke 1, because she had not had children in the culture then, and really the culture now, if you want children and it's a struggle, it's painful. And specifically at this point in time, I'm sure people were questioning Elizabeth. They were questioning her faith. They were questioning her relationship with God because if you're blessed, you're not barren. And she had been barren into her old age. So everybody now knew like God showed up, burden lifted. And that moment, the baby was born was like this culmination of freedom and the weight lifted it says in luke 1 that 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 she is completely righteous in the eyes of god like upright in the eyes of god like god sees they've done nothing wrong but everybody else assumes they're just sinners because they had no children the priest his wife it's got to be something going on there it's got to be compromised right all of a sudden she has a child and they're like, oh. So they all share in the mercy and the joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. They. I just love that we're not told who that is. You can read it and maybe assume they came to circumcise the child as Zechariah and Elizabeth coming somewhere to present the child for circumcision. But if you then continue in the story, you see that they tried to name the child and they was not Zechariah and Elizabeth. They was they. Don't we always listen to they? Don't you hate it when people are like in a room and they're like, well, they said. You're like, who's they? you know, they. We do that. We listen to they and we have no idea who they are. But they hold so much power. Because sticks and stones may break my bones and words do hurt me. Whoever said words don't hurt, liars, right? They do. They hurt and they cut deep. And so they, when they say stuff and when they speak up, when they are intimidating, even though we have no clue who they are. So they came to circumcise? Probably some other priests, right? They. They show up, and this is very normal. In fact, it's, it's prescribed, as we'll read in the Old Testament, the first occurrence of circumcision. But Zechariah being a priest was, was of no surprise that they came to circumcise the child of this priest in a small country town. This was not just a physical procedure to them. This was a very spiritual moment representing a covenant with God. So, Dana and I have four kids. The oldest three are girls. The youngest, having experience of three girls... Knowing what happens in the birthing process and following with girls, we all of a sudden found out we were were pregnant with a boy. There was a part of me that was nervous. I was just nervous because I'm cheap. That's one of the problems. And I was like, we have all girl stuff, like a lot of it. And now we got to get boy things, like boy movies. Like, I feel bad. Preston is well-versed in Barbie movies. It might help him relationally in the future. But there's not a lot of guy stuff, right? And it's like, I just, you know, we had been good at the girl deal. And, and so all of a sudden, and, and Dana, this, this, there's going to be more TMI here than you can bear. But anyway, she, we had all three pregnancies, three because our oldest two are twins. So three pregnancies were all C-section. So, you know, even with the girls, I was familiar with the mess of literally the birthing process. And it, it, it's messy. The first one we were able to videotape was really messy. C-sections are just crazy, right? But there was a whole element of nervousness and messiness that we discovered really quickly with the birthing of a boy. Now, you know where I'm going, right? They hand you this paperwork, and they start explaining your option to circumcise or not to circumcise. That is the question. And you're like, it's a choice. You know, you start to just go, I have to make this decision for myself. This is like a big decision. I don't know why we stressed out about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a boy. That's right. Oh, man, there's more to this. The mess isn't over at birth. Something's. you know, I just, I don't know why I was so nervous. It was worse than shots, obviously. And I got the nervous for my boy. I'm like, this is a big decision long story short, no pun intended, um, we choose to go with circumcision. That'll sink in later for some of you. Anyway, uh, forgive me for those of you who are deeply offended right now. But anyway, so here we are, and I thought the decision was this little was a little odd, and we started to ask some of our friends who had boys, and, and, and asking, like, you know, we made the decision to, to circumcise, but we were like, before the appointment came, we were like, what do we… like, what, what happens? What do we do in this room? Like, what do we… I start to get nervous. Dana, at the sight of blood, passes out. So, I'm like… she's like, do I… Do I, am I in the room? Am I in the waiting room? Am I going to hear him cry? You know, just all the questions that come up because you have compassion for your child, and and you're just like a little nervous, and and so, uh, you know, we're processing this, and of course, our we get counsel from our friends. They're like, oh, don't go in the room, or some would say, go in. It's a special moment, you know, or, you know, some are like, you can keep this, and I'm just, oh, right? You're just like, no, thank you. not going to planted under a vegetable in the garden or anything, so you're like, uh, so the suggestions come, and uh, whether you should help, whether you should watch, so we get, you know, as the day approaches, we were, we were crazy nervous, and I'm like, I, I have so many questions still, it's like, do I bring an ice pack, how do I help my boy, <laughs> sounds so painful. Think back with me to the original instruction of this. I'm going to read it. It'll be on the screen. Genesis 17. This is where this all begins. It really began to bother me, and I was thinking, my goodness, this is happening to my baby. I can't imagine waiting until I'm 99 years old to pull this off. But listen to how this literally began in between God and man. Genesis 17.3 says, Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. Name change. We'll be talking about that in a moment. Name change. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for this generation to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Verse 9, then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you for the generations to come. Every male among you who is eight days old, must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from the people. He has broken my covenant." It goes on to say in verse 23, on on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household, or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them, as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. And his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on the same day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Okay, if I'm in line and I'm picking the doctor that's going to do this, right? And I'm going, young man, you know, and they give their qualities. Young man doesn't drink coffee. Hmm. Good option. Know what I'm saying? Right there yeah. 99 year old. You know what I'm saying? Come on with me. Come on. You got to put yourself in the story. Abraham, who knows what kind of tools they have, like rock, sharp stone? I don't know. This makes me nervous. 99 year old circumcises his whole family. I think God has a sense of humor personally, but ouch right? And uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm imagining these stories. I'm just being, I'm just going, get, jump into my head for a few minutes. It's painful, but come in here. This is what's happening in my life before I'm walking into this doctor's office in Puyallup with my boy. Some of the things in my head. We arrive, and the moment of truth is here. They call our name, and we make our way back into an office and discover something, we have landed in the spiritual doctor's office who's created like the Circumcision 1000 tool that he's very proud of and he's going to explain in detail, and uh, to make it smooth and, and easy. Some of you have been in the same doctor's office and witnessed this with your children, I'm sure, so you know I'm not really exaggerating, and so we're in there, and, and to him, and, and, and somebody leaked that I was a pastor to him, right? And so now this is like more than your normal circumcision opportunity. This is like brothers in the Lord are going to share in a covenant moment before God, right? So this got a little weird. And, uh, and so we're there, and he's like, we should pray together, and, and you need to help. I'm like, I was debating whether I was going to watch or not, right? And now I'm like the helper. That's, that's awesome. Um, you know, I drink a lot of coffee. And uh, so I, if, if I, I, don't put anything sharp in my hand right now. I could, my boy, I love my boy. And uh, you know, this is going to, wow. <laughs> you know, so anyway, I, I, I was even more nervous. Really, I was breaking out in a sweat, I'm sure. We're praying and I don't know what he's going to ask me to do. I'm just like, <laughs> luckily he just had me hold him still. But I was, sti- uh, you know, here I am. Like, it was still really, it went down an awkward road, right? Um, and uh, he figured I would want to uh, assist, so I'm, I'm holding down Preston and, and nervous that he's going to, like, scream out. And, and, uh, and, and, and Dana's over here in, like, a chair somewhere, right? Head in between her knees like a plane's going to crash. You know, because she's, like, imagining there's going to be just blood, Right, it's gonna be crazy. Tell the bandages, you know, that's kind of her brain, and uh, so I'm, I'm like gonna to try to help her from falling off. But now I'm holding Preston, and 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 so I'm thinking, you know, okay, she's gonna be okay. Head between knees. This is gonna be done. We're gonna exit. And then the doctor decides to give blow-by-blow blow commentary of the procedure. So now Dana's like, oh, whoo, right? she's just over there, <laughs> you know. And, and, and that's at the moment, I'll be honest. It was at that moment that my mind began to tell me, this is an opportunity. This is a great opportunity to just go, like, say really loud, like, oops, oh no, right? Or something like that. Just to, just to watch Dana just go down. We can get her breathing again. We're in a doctor's office. This would be awesome. Luckily, I had the wisdom to not go there because if I did that and the doctor laughed and like, you know, you're like, no. Oh, man. So anyway, I I resisted. The blow Bible commentary went. The crazy awkward levels were all over in the room. We left and the awkward moment was over. I didn't pass out. Uh, It was all good, right? So imagine... In the middle of that awkwardness, and there's blood and there's shots and there's needles and there's like holding down and there's all this and and but reverse a couple thousand years, so you got like the rock and the stone, and the lots of people holding John down right and it's like Zechariah can't talk you can't say no i'm not going to help right now elizabeth is in the the room who knows maybe her head's between her knees we don't see this part of the story but you know they're they're sitting there and you you hear the sharpening of the stone right and they're getting ready and they're like so what'd you name the boy that's this story this is an awkward moment In the text, Luke, being a doctor, sees no problem recording this and throwing it in the Bible, right? I mean, he's just like, oh, yeah, circumcision. This is a moment to have a conversation. He records it. And I think the reason he records such detail that it's in the middle of this moment that this conversation and controversy arises, I think the reason he does this is just so we can know, like, this is real life. It's not always not messy, this is a messy conversation to have at a messy moment. They didn't name him at, like, birth for some reason. Like, here he is. There's no Circumcision 1000 tool to make this clean and easy. And they're in the middle of this awkward moment. Why did you name him? And that entered the next awkward level in the room. Well, we didn't yet. But... John? Right? I mean, they're kind of like, Elizabeth's the only one that can talk, but she hasn't yet. What did you name him? And they start throwing out names. Now, maybe it was because Zechariah hadn't spoke yet, but they didn't put a name down, so they didn't know what this baby's name was this goes back to real life because they just start throwing out names. I remember when we named Preston. So we've got Jocelyn, Jenna, and Jaden. J, right? J names. And then Preston. When we landed on the name and, and we did the mistake of sharing before the baby was born uh, to the family, I remember Dana's brother was like, you're not naming him Preston. I was like, what do you, what do you mean by that? no way you would name your baby Preston. <laughs> You're just like, are you joking? No, really, that's his name. Right. I'll wait till I see the birth certificate. What am I doing wrong? You ever have those? Did you have those conversations? This is like the worst, this is like the mother-in-law moment of all bad moments, right? Don't you dare name your baby not a J name. You know, it's this moment. Love my mother-in-law. But anyway, so um, that's what's happening here. They're like, You haven't named the boy? Well, here's some suggestions. These would be fitting. Let's name the boy after Zechariah. And then this is point two. Women, speak up. Women, speak up. So the undefined number of they's are in the room giving suggestions about naming the boy after Zechariah. This conversation starts building as they're doing this procedure. Who knows where Elizabeth is? Just imagine maybe she's over here. Right? Trying not to pass out. And you have this scene. Zechariah's there and some maybe he's holding the boy. We don't know. And uh, the, so the scene goes. They're trying to name the boy. They're thinking of names. They're going to they're gonna seal the name deal while they're sealing the other deal. And, and so all of a sudden, Elizabeth is no his name will be John we're gonna call him John the woman is the one who spoke she rose up I love looking at other translations I read from and preach here from the New International Version, which just kind of takes all the the original Greek and and, and Hebrew and puts it into phrase-by-phrase accurate translation, and uh, some others are like word-for-word accurate, so they're real awkward to read, but uh, so one of them, the King James, like old-school version, uh, says that, that Elizabeth rose up and said, Not so! I like that one. That's pretty good. Uh, or the New American Standard Bible, one that most scholars use to study from. Uh, she, she, Elizabeth was like, when they're about to name this baby after Zechariah, she's like, no, indeed. That's a good one. No, indeed. Back off, busters. You know, you theys in the room, you know. So she's all like right in their face, and, uh, and it's emphatic, you know. In the NIV, it's with an exclamation mark, No you're not going to name the boy anything but John. And then they don't listen to her. It drives me nuts. Right? They start going, well, oh, Elizabeth, but, but that's Elizabeth. Zechariah can't speak, so let's, what's the baby's name? Because that's, right? They start this conversation that should bother every woman in the room, right? You should just get mad. No, women can speak. Yeah, women can speak. Women can speak. This is boldness. I believe this is the boldness from Elizabeth just being filled with the Holy Spirit a few months earlier when Mary came to visit, what we talked about last week. I didn't have the time to go into it last week. When Mary came to the hill country and visited Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is instantly, upon her greeting, filled with the Holy Spirit, and begins to utter a prophetic encouragement word over Mary, and then Mary, in turn, filled with the Spirit, begins to worship and prophesy in that moment, it was the first two prophetic words shared in over 400 years. Women. Two women. And I know some would misinterpret Scripture and say, Oh, women are supposed to be quiet in the church. Bless God. Right? Right? Um, But you know what? I think it's pretty on purpose that Luke is recording this to prove and show us, no, women, speak up. You have a voice. Now, it's kind of funny. I didn't even know that like, Danny was going to be the one scheduled today to do the whole welcome thing and then closing and giving talk at the end. It just fell on today that Danny was scheduled to do the talk. And I, I was like, hey, Danny, just so you know, I didn't schedule you because I'm doing the whole woman speak up thing. So now we have like, somebody who's female speaking on the platform. Got to have a female on the platform on that day. Man, that's speak up, right? But uh, no, but, uh, but in all honesty, we do need the voice of women in the church today it's missing we need to empower more women to lead and be a voice and i just want to say that open life believes in that uh, not just secondary roles. We believe women can pastor churches and campuses and, and multiply and change the world. So, uh, you know, just like we want to we grow churches, and I totally see that we'll probably have an open life campus in some community at some point in the day where the lead pastor of that campus is a woman. It'll happen. We have no issues with that. And this is a great opportunity to say that, bring it on. Uh, we're excited for that. And I'm excited that Elizabeth authoritatively and emphatically stood up and said, no, we're going to call him John. But unfortunately, even then, the woman was questioned. Well, that's nice what the woman wants to say in the room. And I don't know how bold that was for her. Like, contextually, how was it? How did it go over that she spoke up, right? Like, was this, take her out back and... Just the kneecaps. She just loses her kneecaps for that, right? It's like, I don't know. Um, I didn't go into studying it that deeply, but this is big that she spoke up. Well, they they start questioning her, right? And uh, Zechariah, that's when he starts getting a little more emphatic, but he can't speak yet. And, uh, you know, the people in the room are like, um… I just pulled up your lineage on Facebook, and uh, yeah, I'm not seeing a John in here, so I don't know that we can do that. Uh, Nobody in your family line's named John. Let's get Zachariah. What do you? Zachariah's not talking. Why is Zachariah not talking? And they're all like in the room, bothered, and and he's like symboling. right? Or however they symboled to write at that point in time. No. <laughs> They're just like, get me a tablet and a chisel. No, he couldn't say that, so he symboled it. But here's where it goes back to. Let me remind you. Luke 1, 18 says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? When the angel said, you're going to have a child in your old age, Elizabeth's going to be pregnant. He's like, do you know how old I am? <laughs> you know, He says this, how can, it be, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife, well, she's along in years, right? And the angel is like, uh, he answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now you'll be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. So it's interesting to me that Zechariah, eight days after the baby has been born, Still hasn't talked. Eight days. Can you imagine how long those eight days were for him? Because he knew until this happens, right? As This says, until the day this happens, well, the baby's born, angel. Right? Zechariah has to be like, until what happens? The baby's here, and I still can't talk. Like, baby came out. I'm sure he was like, no voice, right? He was going to praise the Lord. Nothing comes out. So he's like, man. So now we are, here we are eight days later. Zechariah had to have been wondering, when was the until the day this happens going to happen? He had to have had in his mind. He had to have been confused. He had to have wondered. And now they're asking Zechariah, what's his name? And it had to popped in his mind, oh, yeah. The angel said, I was to name him John. And he gets a tablet and all he writes on it is what's written on these whiteboards around the room. His name is John. And at that moment, his tongue is loosed and he begins to praise God in that room. Can you imagine being there? Elizabeth over here being doubted. They're checking her Facebook. Not really, right? But they're like sitting there, like, no, John, and you're like, and that's when Zechariah's like, his name is John. Boom! God, we thank you. We, and everybody in the room's like, whoa. Now, hopefully, the guy with the knife was calm, right? Like, whoa. <laughs> you know, don't, no slipping. This is, again, you don't want to be too funny in a room like that. What's in an eight? Zechariah was so emphatic, his name is John. Not, we're going to call him his, no, his name is John. John means God is gracious, but nobody would get that besides the priests at this point in time who are reading this book from Luke. Again, this book from Luke is written to those who did not grow up, In the chosen lineage of God. So they would not get the symbolism of the meaning behind a name like this, but you and I have the understanding to know when the angel chose the name John, John means God is gracious, which he was to Elizabeth and Zechariah in their old age. That's crazy. Beautiful. What's in a name? Number three, know your name. Know your your name. Parents, be careful what you speak over your children. Be careful that their words of life and blessing and encouragement, because every word you speak over them represents a name. And uh, you know, you can in in a well-intended moment to negatively inspire them say something that is deeply scarring. You're just so dumb. Don't be stupid. Are you an idiot? You can fill in the blanks of the names we in our anger. We make mistakes and we say things we never intended to drop into somebody's future. We name them. 1 Chronicles 4 9 through 10, we've already read that God changed the name of Abram to Abraham, because he was going to, a chosen nation should be his name. Well, we read in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10, a passage that became famous in like the 90s with all these books that came out, written by Bruce Wilkinson, I think was his name, but the, the, the prayer of Jabez, right? And it's First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. His inspiration, Jabez's inspiration, was to be free from the name he was given at birth because all he was called, all of his childhood, was you cause pain. He just didn't want to be the kid anymore in the room that was known for causing people pain. And he cries out to God. He's like, help set me free from being the one that causes people pain. And, and God granted his request. And so this prayer became famous. People just began to pray this prayer when it was written about, and it inspired a lot of people to, to pray some very good and selfish prayers, right? That God is okay with that if we call out for blessing and freedom for ourselves as well as others. You're not responsible for the name you have, just the name you live up to. So what name are you trying to live up to? Peter's another story. We see that God is in the business of changing names. I love the way it's worded in the message when, when Jesus h- encounters Peter the disciple, and he says, when Jesus arrived in the village of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they replied, some think he's John the Baptizer, who we're studying right now, right, about John's birth. Some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them, and, and how about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah, because his name was Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get the answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God Himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. See, Simon meant blowing reed, right? It was like, If the wind blows, maybe Peter will go that way or Peter will go that way. Peter was just known as being flighty. His personality lived up to it, as you read in scripture. Uh, We'll have lots of stories in the future about Simon and the mistakes he makes over and over again. But blowing reed, tossed and blown wherever the wind blows, and having no conviction or stability, Simon. And all of a sudden, Jesus goes, No, not Simon, Peter. You're the rock. Can you smell what I'm cooking, right? And it's like, anyway, wrestling. So, you know, just look at that. And now he's called the rock. I'm going to build my church on you. Talk about a name change. They will always try to name you according to the past, whoever they are. But God's trying to name you according to your future. Will you hear it? Will you receive that name for your life? I can't wait to know and share your story because it's going to make the mercy of God known. It's going to bring joy to others. I can't wait to hear some of you are going to say like, well, man, honestly, you're going to turn over your connection card and there on the bottom it says, your name is. And there's a blank and you're going to write peace or overcomer or joy or faithful. My name is, <laughs> you know, maybe you write Chuck if you know what Chuck's means. I don't know what Chuck means, so I would more write the meaning versus the name. But you know, what is that name that God's whispering? What is your future? What's God trying to etch on you to encourage you for your future? It says in Ephesians 3.10, that God's intent was that now through the church, the church is individuals, not a building. Open life is all about that, because we're not it. We're, we just rent a space, right? That's us. So, uh, But the, the, the reality is the church is people. It always has been. It's never been a building. It says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So that's like God's whole intent was that your story would be made known, that, the, that, the, that your name would be known, but the one that God wants to put on you. This is not just a story of overcoming here in the birth of John, the baptizer. This is a story of beginning. This is a story of becoming, not just overcoming. Zechariah was the one that said, name the boy John. And his mouth was open. And as the worship team comes, they're like hiding back there somewhere in the curtains because I forgot to tell them when to come. There you go. It's Beautiful music. Um, This is what comes out of Zechariah's mouth when his tongue is loose. Listen to this. Luke 1, 67. It's called Zechariah's Song in my Bible. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit And prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come and has redeemed his people. He has raised us up, a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham, which we read just a moment ago, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. Maybe we should say there, to share what he's doing in our life without fear. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. Parents, are you praying and prophesying that kind of life over your kids? Is that the kind of life you're speaking into them? Is that the kind of life you're letting be spoken into your own life? Are you receiving... Fresh insight from God. This is our response today. The connection card you have has some options to respond on it, and I'd encourage you if you've yet to choose to follow Jesus, no better day than today. He loves you, His grace and mercy is for you. Cross that line of faith and watch what happens in your life. It's unbelievable. Or maybe as you work your way down those responses, And you'll place this card in the bucket as it passes in just a few because we want to celebrate your story. Maybe you've sensed a name that God is challenging with and you've just never had the courage to put it to paper and write it down. Write it down this morning. We want to celebrate that name. But then I'm going to call you to do something even more bold. I want you today, while the worship team is singing, Before Danny comes and excuses us. To stand up and make your way to one of these whiteboards. The pens are on top. And simply write that name on one of these whiteboards. Just declaring it. Because you know what? We need to start sharing what God is speaking into our life. And there's no safer environment than right here, right today. Some of you may not sense something to write on the whiteboard. That's totally okay. One of the other responses might be for you. But I challenge you, dig deep and listen to God's voice this morning. And when that comes to your mind, when you sense that he's challenged you with a name, and it might be weird, and you might be uncomfortable with it, it's going to speak life. It's going to be life-giving. If you hear a negative name, silence that voice and say, get thee behind me. Because God only speaks life over your future. Write that name on the board. What's the child going to grow up to be? The community asked after hearing Zechariah. What's this child going to grow up to be like? I think the enemy's shaking in his boots today because he's sensing what you're writing on your connection cards and he's sensing what you're going to write on these whiteboards, and the community's going to be going, Man, what are those people at Open Life going to grow up to be in this community? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement you give us. I thank you for the life that you speak into us. I thank you that you allow us to have moments of celebration and and challenge like this where, where we could just devote ourselves to you, set ourselves apart and say, I believe God's speaking this into my future. He has a plan and a hope for me. He's calling me peace today. Or he's calling me life giver today. Whatever it is, God, speak it clearly to each individual. I just pray that you could become so alive and tangibly real to everybody in this room right now. And as we move from the piece of paper, the connection card, as we move over to the whiteboards, God, may you be glorified. May you be lifted up. May your story be shared. May people be in awe of what you're stirring and ask just what is God up to? What is going to be of this? Build the anticipation in this community. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.